and welcome to On Secret Ground on the LMC Radio Network on Blog Talk Radio, broadcasting the voices of the land and of the dead by weaving together history, ethnography, and spiritual experience. I'm your co-host, Kai Armand, and if you're tuning in online and having technical issues, remember that you can listen to the show by calling in via your phone or Skype to 657 383 0525. That's 657 383 0525. For those of you who are listening live and are in the chat room at blogtalkradio.com, welcome and thank you so much for tuning in. This is our 32nd episode of On Sacred Ground, and I know it's been a while, but this is still our 32nd episode because the show, like peoples, like Americans, like so many peoples around the world throughout history rises up again. And we are broadcasting live at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, on this March 29th, 2017. And this is a call-in show. Uh, it's a busy show. There's a lot happening, a lot of announcements, a lot of new people to meet. I cannot freaking wait. Uh, but it is a call-in show. So at any point, you really do have someone, something you want to say, something you want to comment on, something you want to share, spirit drops down into your car and you say, God, i got to call in and say something. Please do. Um, so if you have any questions, comments, or would like to share some of your stories or ideas um, on today's various topics and guests, please do call in at 657-383-0525. And remember to dial 1 so that I can know that you are in the call queue. Uh, as we have started many uh, shows in the past, um, I'm going to be get, beginning this show because tradition uh, does matter uh, with a passage from the book Earth Prayers from Around the World, 365 prayers, poems, and invocations for honoring the earth. And yes, we, um, today's actually a fun experience for me because I really love this book and it showed up in my life uh, actually right when I was starting the show. And this is actually the first of two passages that will be shared from this book today. Um, springtime, which is what we are experiencing in the northern hemisphere, is a transition time between two extremes, winter and summer. And this prayer is a Zuni prayer that very much speaks to the earliest part of spring. And later on, you can imagine we'll be talking, uh, sharing a prayer that speaks to the, to the latter part of spring. But this prayer is as such, and I pray that you will join me in uh, this sort of invocation from these Zuni peoples. This is what I want to happen, that our Mother Earth may be clothed in ground corn four times over, that frost flowers cover her over entirely, that the mountain pines far away over there may stand close to each other in the cold, that the weight of snow cracks some branches in order that the country may be this way. I had made my prayer sticks into something alive. And on that note, I invite my co-host, Paige Zafiriu of Page Z's Tarot and T. Paige, are you there? I'm here, Kai. Can you hear me? I can hear you wonderfully. I am so glad that you're here. Um, we are experiencing something really freaking cool here because... Um, vision is not something that's supposed to remain in the land of vision. Vision is something that is wanting to become manifest. And we have been talking about 
this relaunch of On Sacred Ground for quite some time now. Um, you know, ideas being exchanged, lots of talking, lots of journeying, lots of divination, lots of prayer and asking the spirits, WTF, and how do we do this in a good way? <laughs> and here we are, you and I, finally live. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me onto the show. Uh, there has been a lot of visioning, as you've said, and it's amazing to be here live now after everything we've, we've talked about and journeyed through and seen come to fruition. What a, what a time this springtime. As two spring babies, I feel it's very appropriate that we bring this show back online during this time of the year. It feels so right and so good. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so glad that you're here with me on this journey. Um, springtime, new time, uh, and we're heading into and are living through so much newness, uh, especially in the cultural context that you and I live in. Not all of that newness is, not all of that newness feels promising necessarily, but it is nonetheless new. And um, it might be time for you and I to share um, one of our loves from one of our favorite shows, Sesame Street, as a celebration of the newness that is this relaunch and, um, and, and this time in our lives. So we'll go right to there, and right afterwards, we'll come back and talk more about your own background uh, and the show moving forward. Sounds good? Sounds good.
And that was the Flanker Sisters, a group of um, female pig singers um, from Sesame Street singing A New Way to Walk uh, as a celebration of the uh, relaunch of On Sacred Ground and the new ways in which it's happening and the new things that are happening and our new co-host, uh, Paige Zafiri. So, uh, Paige, you know, our listening audience knows, I think, a lot about me, um, seeing as I'm often um, divulging and confessing and vomiting up aspects of my own life and trying to connect them to, uh, you know, more legitimate things. Um, but let's know about you. Where are you from? Um, where do you live now? Uh, what do you do? So um, I'm a visual artist, writer, astrologer, and psychic reader. Uh, I live in Brooklyn, New York now, but I was born in Boston, Massachusetts, grew up just a few miles north of the city, and the land of New England is very much a part of my identity. I grew up in a relatively secular family, and each Sunday when I was young, we would go on a family walk on a local patch of conservation land. You know, my parents weren't really big on church, but they felt that that we still ought to have some kind of family activity on Sundays. And so my church was the land. And then there are surprisingly many such oases in the extremely populous greater Boston area, these little patches of woodland or marshland that have been uh, preserved uh, and have wildlife still thriving in them. So to be there out on the bones of the land, seeing them come back after the deforestation of the colonial and industrial eras, I really informed my sort of spiritual consciousness growing up. And then I went to school out in the more rural western Massachusetts area, where I know you also went to school in the Pioneer Valley. Uh, in fact, it's funny that we were both there at about the same time, didn't know each other yet. But it's funny how these threads come back together and weave through the tapestry of our lives, making sense only in retrospect. And then... Uh, at, at the University of Massachusetts out there, I studied watercolor and fine art under the acclaimed watercolorist, the late, great Richard Yard, who taught me so much about, about not only watercolor and painting, but about the ways that we work and the, the, the narratives that inform our storytelling, our, our art making, uh, the work that we do regardless of our field. And then uh, I spent a little bit of time in the U.K. at both Oxford and Cambridge and then was spirit-led to move out to San Francisco where I lived for about five years. Uh, and that's where I met you at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival back in, it was 2015 or 14. And then uh, once again, I think yeah, was, led sort of to those. Yeah. 14, yeah. Yeah, yes. You gave me the most fantastic reading I think I had ever had. Uh, it was it was be, it was beyond beyond fantastic. And then I think as a direct result of that reading, I was eventually led to leave San Francisco, move back to the Boston area, and then again was sort of rather abruptly pulled out of that environment and down here to Brooklyn uh, last summer. I've happily been here ever since. And for our listening audience. Surprise, Paige is actually someone who lives with me. We actually are our housemates here in Brooklyn, and she um, has been living with me since last summer, I believe. 
Uh, it was a freaking mm-hmm. cool summer. Um, but it's so funny because you and I literally have been um, sort of following each other for quite some time. Um, as you said, we lived in the Pioneer Valley at the same time but didn't know each other. We were living in the Bay Area at the same time but didn't know each other. I remember I used to look at your website and be like, who is she? Like, who is this, <laughs> this lady with her, with her, with her tarot and her tea wares? Um, and, you know, having, since lived with you, I have learned that your tea – your tea is no joke, not even, not just your blends, but your understanding of the ritual of tea and the power of tea, especially in a young obsessed culture like the one that we have now, the ability to give oneself contemplative experiences with botanical infusions is what's, it's really what's up. And we're going to be talking about tea on this show. Absolutely. Um, but yes, you're right. We actually did meet, in person for the first time at the Fudu Heritage Festival. And um, that's really important for people to know because the Hudu Heritage Festival is an annual um, experience, really, um, that takes place mm-hmm. at, in Forestville, California, at Lucky Mojo Curio Company. This year's Hudu Heritage Festival is taking place May 13th and 14th. The Hoodoo Heritage Festival is a group of hands-on conjure training workshops that happens one weekend every May, and it is the bomb motherfucking diggity. Um, if you want to meet excellent spirit workers, um, many who come from uh, a variety of spiritual traditions but who are all trained and skilled, highly skilled, in African-American folk magic, you want to be at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. I always tell people that it is the experience is like going to a church picnic, and it's a church you didn't even know you belonged to because the love is so present and strong there. And you can find out more about the Hoodoo Heritage Festival this year at missionaryindependent.org slash workshops. Uh, again, missionaryindependent slash workshops dot html. So, um, you mentioned your uh, work in watercolor and visual art with um, at UMass Amherst uh, that you were studying while we were in the Pioneer Valley together, although we didn't know each other. And we, I remember you showed me some of the work of one of your mentors, and I was really, really freaking blown away and actually gave context to some of your other interests, uh, your esoteric interests. Um, so sort of a place where art and magic intersect. And art magic and identity. And I loved how you said before your experience of the church as the land. Could you tell us the name of that special mentor teacher that you had at UMass Amherst again? Yes, his name was Richard Yard, and that's Y-A-R-D-E. He sadly passed away away several years ago um, after a prolonged illness, but he he was a long and very productive life. Uh, uh, Some of his Earlier works had to do with sort of ancestral identity and the sort of jazz era of New York City and dancing at the Savoy and this very kinetic, almost quilt-like style of painting, dance motions in this still form that is absolutely captivating and remains his, probably his best-known work, somewhat to his chagrin, if I recall him correctly. You know, there's always a complicated feelings that come up when you're best known for work that you did in your youth when you may now be in your 70s or 80s, you know. That's totally true. Um, it, yeah, it's always, it's always interesting, the artist's perceptions versus the public's perceptions. 
Um, and how long were you in San Francisco before you moved to New York? I was there for about five years. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's so much longer than I got to be there. Wow. I had been uh, going back and forth there uh, pretty much my whole life, actually, since probably I was a baby. I I have family there. Um, I'm very fortunate to have family there who I get to go see on a regular basis. And their experience of the land, my cousins being born and raised there, really informed my experience of that area. And uh, I feel like I got to see some of its quirky secrets from these, these, these native city initiates. It was a very, very special experience. I'm really grateful to have had that time in that city. It's kind of a crossroads city, you know. Almost, I feel like practically everyone I know, especially in the occult and esoteric circles, has spent some time in San Francisco at some point in their lives, whether for years or days or weeks or however long it's been. It's a very fertilizing kind of place. You you pass through it, you get what you need, you take the medicine, you make the art, you do the thing, and then you take that with you when you go. And it's so interesting that you say you have family there because I actually say the same thing to people when I try to explain the close spiritual ties I have with certain people. Um, mm. I feel like that's actually one of the great things that's gonna, that makes us um, – apt to be good co-hosts together for the show is uh, the different backgrounds that you and I have in relation to um, sort of rootedness and um, connection to ancestral objects. Um, I'm often in awe of what you, of your ability to sort of pull, you, so under your bed is like this cave of wonders I don't know how you do it, but you I, – I, I almost feel like you've pulled, like, like livestock from under your bed. I don't know. You only live here with me for a short time, but you have things under your bed that it only makes sense would be under your bed if you had lived there for 80 years, and you're not even that old. Um, but your experience of, like, ancestral objects and deep-rooted connection across this land, and I remember you and I were even talking about – family that you had that grew up right here in Brooklyn. So in a way, you're kind of 360-ing your own ancestral background. Um, and um, I think we lost Paige for just a second, but she'll be back. Um, but yeah, Paige is a, um, a not, not a collector of objects so much as a receiver of objects that speak to who she is in this lifetime. Um, coming from the past. And I'm someone who doesn't think my family um, doesn't really, have, they really connect those kind of objects. Um, if we did, they are not necessarily things that have necessarily been considered meaningful. I, I don't know if I'll ever receive any uh, heirlooms or anything like that. Um, so my experience of my identity uh, and my rootedness in the world has actually come from more in a sort of a, an experience of extensive travel and reading books and, and seeing mm. uh, myself reflected in different cultural things like uh, Madonna's um, Don't Tell Me video. Actually, that was probably one of the first ancestral ephemera I ever received that wasn't ancestral at all, maybe gay ancestral in a way. But I remember mm. being like 14 or 15 years old and not really having mirrors for myself in the culture, but seeing uh, my seeing Madonna's <laughs> Don't Tell Me music video, and some part of me just being like, oh, 
cowboys. And I didn't even know the history of cowboys and the frontier and of black cowboys and gay cowboys and gay black cowboys, but something in me latched onto that. And for the next five years, I wore cowboy hats all the time. Um, so huh. Paige and I are, well, I told you that, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's so funny the way we make these instinctive connections to our ancestral ephemera, which, by the way, would be a great band name if anyone out there is looking. Ancestral ephemera? I'm going to write it down. Um, <laughs> that's something else we have going on constantly. We have a list of incredible band names for anyone who is looking to start a band. These probably could also be good album titles, but, you know, oh, we'll certainly. charge a fair price just a few thousand dollars uh, and to, to share the list with you. And they're all already trade, trademarked and copyrighted for those of you who are ready for that kind of life. Um, so um, one of the things that's also really cool is that we're doing this show, this relaunch, during a very special um, astrological time. I'm an astro baby. Um, maybe not an astro baby. Maybe like an astro toddler or something. I can speak astrology a little bit, but once you move into... Give yourself a little credit. Okay, maybe an astro preteen. Because um, once we move into trines and squares and oppositions and stuff, my brain is like, oh, well, too bad. Um, but I can talk. Um, I can talk planets and signs and retrogrades. And right now we are like smack dab in the middle of Venus retrograde. Um, and mm-hmm. Venus, tell us a bit about Venus and what this Venus retrograde is all about. Because Paige is actually an astrology master. <laughs> well. So you and I are both feeling this transit really hard because we're both ruled by Venus. You are a Taurus, and I have Taurus rising on the ascendant. So we're feeling this transit hard. And uh, Venus is, uh, as you may know, the planet that is said to rule, among other things, relationships, partnerships, art, beauty, love, romance. She's this sort of feminine planet aspect, and I say feminine rather than female, this sort of receptive energy. And so when she's retrograde, which she does relatively often, she maybe once a year or so, she uh, appears to be going backwards in the sky, and it's a time of review for all of those things, reviewing our relationships, how fun, reviewing our relationship to the art that we're making, the work that we're doing, the way that we take care of ourselves, our sensuality, our sexuality, in terms of partnership, rather than the more Martian kind of gratification. We're going out there and and attaining or projecting. Venus is about how are we doing things in relation to each other, in our communities, in relation to ourselves and the many parts of ourselves that we have to work with on a daily basis. It's not always easy being people, you know. You got that right. It isn't always easy being people. Um, and um, I know that you, you, you know, relationships is a really powerful word because people think of Venus and they think, oh, yeah, the love planet. And you and I actually had like a whole um, you have to maybe find some way of describing the days that you and I have. Um, we had a whole, like, visionary consciousness day unexpectedly where 
we were recognizing, it was like right at the very beginning of this being a retrograde, where we were recognizing, oh, shoot, um, relationship isn't just like, oh, the people that we love or the people that we like or people in general. It's the relationships between everything, like literally the relationship between one molecule and another. Um, because everything in our world happens in relationship, you know, one cell to another, mm-hmm. um, which is, I think, one of the reasons why um, this Venus might be, retrograde might be affecting my life so intensely is because, sure, I'm Taurus, which is ruled by Venus, but my Venus uh, is in Gemini. When I was born, the planet Venus was in the sign of Gemini, Gemini, which is a sign of communication. I don't think that people usually connect mm-hmm. Venus and Gemini very much, but they are totally connected because Venus is about relationship and Gemini is about connection and communication. And it's the twins. It's a sign of the twins. It's literally a sign of reflection, communication between the two parts looking at each other, reaching out to each other, reflecting off of each other. You're so right. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. I think when we um, are in a world where um, we might be experiencing a lot of disconnection in the world and are often looking for community, looking for people who share our views or ideas, or at least people who can reflect back to us. You're not going crazy. Um, no, actually, the thing that you're experiencing can, you know, maybe it's not something I necessarily understand directly, but I can reflect it back to you in this way, a way of understanding it. It's sort of like never been more vital. So at a time when you know, people are, I think people are often using the word right now in terms of American culture, American politics, um, divisive. You know, we're experiencing, you know, our culture has never been more divided. I mean, civil war, I think we have experienced more division, but we are definitely experiencing a lot of division. I almost feel like this Venus retrograde is like, whoa, honeys, whoa, chill out. Y'all are still a people. Y'all still live together. going to figure this out. I'm going to move backwards in your perception so you guys can, you know, to help you get a grip on yourselves mm-hmm. and your relationship to each other. Yeah, yeah. Speaking Slowing of down, going inward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, going down, going inward, and reaching out to those people that you do have close to you and making that a priority. And speaking of partnerships, mm-hmm. I know that um, one of your close friends who has become, who's becoming a friend of mine, I love her so much, um, we have her on the show and we'll be moving to talk to her in just a moment. Won't you please, won't you please, please won't you be my neighbor? And who is today's first guest that we have? Our first guest today is my very dear friend, Amelia Quint of themidheaven.com. She is a writer, astrologer, and a musician from South Carolina. She is one of the most magically delicious people you will ever have the pleasure to meet. This Scorpio knows her stuff, and she is just a delight on top of that. Amelia, are you there? I'm not sure if she is here yet. Um, <gasps> Hello, is... it's me. Hello. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't put myself on mute. I was trying to be polite, and I just screwed it all up. Anyways, you guys are the sweetest. What's up? 
Hey, girl. You know, like, the best <laughs> walk ever, just like a few seconds late. It was great. <laughs> Amelia, thank you so Who's much for you? joining us today. Mm-hmm. What's going on with me? Oh, my gosh. Um, life is crazy. I am... Trying to enjoy Venus retrograde. I'm buckling up for Mercury into Taurus later this week, which you guys are going to love. Um, and just oh generally loving the springtime here in South Carolina. We have all the wisterias are blooms, the azaleas, mm. and it's just good time to be here. So. Oh, spank a little bottom. That sounds great. Mm-hmm. And you run the midheaven.com, um, and you have such a knowledge of astrology. Now that's the only aspect of you that we want to focus on. Um, but uh, what message or information would you give us about, in, either in general or in your personal life, about this Venus retrograde? And I think we just moved into a certain, like the second half, and the second half means more than the first half. Again, I'm a preteen. I'm going to sit back and let these astrologers talk. Oh, my gosh. So oh my, that was a lot of questions. Let me make sure I have it all right. You want to know about um, what you guys might want to know about my personal life and then also about how Venus retrograde is going. Is that right? Did I win? You always win, girl. You're a winner. Okay, so let's uh, tackle the astrology bit of that. You mentioned Venus retrograde, and I just told my – subscribers about this. Um, I do subscription horoscopes on my site, shameless plug, but really though, um, Venus retrograde is going to be moving into Pisces uh, next Monday. So right now it's in Aries and then it's going to be shifting from there backwards into Pisces. And here's why that is amazing and something to be totally amped about. Um, Venus isn't super happy in Aries. Sorry if you have Venus in Aries, but I do follow the traditional astrology parameters that, like, planets like to be in other signs more than others for lots of, like, fancy astrological word meanings. But essentially, uh, yeah, Venus and Aries don't get along. If you think about it, Venus is loving. She wants to just, like, rub up all over you and show off how beautiful she is, whereas Aries is very... Um, quick and dirty, like focus on the self, um, and not so much giving. So when you put those together, it can be kind of weird. And then again, with the Venus retrograde, uh, it's a very introspective time, a very spiritual time. That, that's just too many different things going on. So we're really just trying to uh, deal with this really frenetic, electric, wild vibe. But on Monday, Venus goes backwards into Pisces where she's exalted. So she loves to be in Pisces. She feels really good in Pisces. Um, so things are going to change in a, in a big way, I think. We're going to really see the, the benefit of Venus retrograde as opposed to the possible uh, negative factors of, like, I don't know. The classic one is like wanting to text your ex or getting a haircut that's like awful and you're like, why did I do this haircut to myself? Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's Venus retrograde. It's going to stick around there for a while. Uh, did I cover everything? Have, um, yeah, I wanted to know your thoughts on the, I think there's going to be about a week maybe that Venus retrograde and Mercury retrograde will overlap. 
that second week of April. Ooh. Yes, yes. Okay, I, I forgot the exact date, but yeah. So I think it's March, uh, April 9, Mercury retrograde starts. 9 to the 15th is the overall. Oh, man. Really? Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, so uh, I think that together is actually going to be, for some reason, I feel like Venus retrograde mitigates it a, a little bit. And the reason why is that um, whenever a planet is retrograde, Paige, you taught me this, uh, it it takes on a more spiritual nature you know it can be that oh my gosh the energy is misdirected and so especially mercury Mercury retrograde you end up misplacing things or having technological snafus but um together i think what you're going to see is this very very uh spiritual introspective time where you can look within and and make some major changes that you need to make like i feel like it's super shamanic um, mm-hmm. Great time for magical work. Uh, great time for working with your dreams or looking for omens. Yeah, so I, I looked over at my computer screen and there just happened to be a raven on there, so that's the thing. Um, <laughs> Boom! There you go. Anyways, yeah, that's my take on it. I think it's gonna be good. Everybody, get out your favorite magical tools and, and prep. It's gonna be it's magic school. Magical and a good time to thrift, I'm told. Oh my gosh, you guys. Venus retrograde, especially, and also Mercury retrograde, is a great time to buy stuff secondhand. That's like my secret is hit up eBay or the vintage store during that time. Um, mm-hmm. and you will find amazing stuff. Kai and I have been on the lookout for an old fashioned telephone, so maybe that's our lucky week. Kyle, put some vibes out there. Yeah. I think it will be. Feel positive about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm also thinking, this is kind of a, a non-sequitur, but in, in terms of Venus and Mercury retrograde, this feels like a really good time to connect with stories from the past and kind of pull out their, their medicine in, in, I guess, a shamanic way. In uh, in this, I don't know. It feels like a lot of a lot of our our old and beloved stories, maybe especially stories we loved in childhood, are kind of coming to the forefront now, oh. asking for our attention, asking for our medicine. I mean, I know you and I have been talking about Star Trek almost nonstop, classic Trek. Yes. Know, not this reboot situation, but the classic Trek. Next Generation and Deep Space Nine and the original series and all that good stuff. And, there's all, and, and it's not just you and I. I see this a lot online lately. All of a sudden it seems like people are, are popping up out of the ground. Like, so what's that you say? Star Trek, you say? Mm, don't mind if I do. <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, yeah, you're, you're like you know? hella involved in the um, Tumblr community, which is um, – not something I know about, but I'm learning through you, sort of the Tumblr community and how that is sort of an ongoing dialogue and becoming archive about the connection between identity and pop culture and, and old culture stories. Mm-hmm. Tumblr as this living anthropological mm. record is endlessly fascinating to me. 
my goodness. Paige got me to get a Tumblr, you guys. It's a secret Tumblr. <laughs> I bet you can't find me. Um, but I, I love it. It's like, like my, my dirty out. secret. I love it. <laughs> and someone who's giving us a uh, another part of our person in our community, Paige is in my community, who is giving us uh, a bit of a transatlantic perspective is my friend Krishana Deschel, who is going to be joining us in just a moment. Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor? Krishana, are you there? I am right here. How are you? Krishana. <laughs> Hi, my beautiful people. I love you guys so much. You know that, right? You're aware of this. <laughs> we love you. Well, Krishana um, hails from Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, Los Angeles, California, and most recently, uh, Paris, France. Krishana, where are you? Where in the world is Krishana the show? I really loved Carmen San Diego when I was a kid, by the way. <laughs> um, I will one day have that hat and the her jacket. Um, I am currently in Las Vegas. I'll be in Los Angeles on Friday, and then, you know, who knows where I'll be after that. I kind of, uh, as, I've, as I've told you many times, time and space means nothing to me, so. <laughs> yeah. And you are a makeup artist. Singer, we just have to keep we have to keep on that tab that she is a singer as well. It's a very special medicine that Krishana holds. But um, you're also a makeup artist, uh, music video producer. You are a um, a spirit worker who is launching on practice. Uh, and I know from personal experience and from when you stayed at our house just a couple of weeks ago that this being your furniture grade is also strongly affecting you. You know what? It's actually it's affecting me in a and and it's affecting me in a lot of interesting ways. So it's like on one hand, it's affecting me um, where I'm actually. Um, I I think you were correct in saying there was a first half and a second half. So the first half was more of me looking at my relationships in a way that I hadn't done so in a very long time. Um, people that I was uh, intimately involved with, you know. Um, having to kind of like let those relationships really really go which is not it's not always the easiest thing for me you know cuz then I'm all like but they could still be around right and it was kind of like becoming really like very clear to me um you know that it was time to kind of let those go and then let my you know let my my relationship kind of flourish without kind of having these these things around it was also really about um boundaries what are boundaries? What do boundaries mean? And what does it mean in relation in relation to other people? And so um, relationships with uh, – or boundaries, rather, with family, um, boundaries with friends, you know, what are those, really? And so that's been kind of a lot of my Venus retrograde, you know, and also understanding that, you know, the boundaries are, are things that you set up or are yours. You set up these relationships. And, you know, a lot of times we like to place the blame on others when those relationships kind of go awry, but we also, in several ways, also didn't give um, proper notice or proper 
Um, and a lot of times because we didn't know, but we didn't give proper um, uh, 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 proper talks to people about what our boundaries are and, you know, and what you would do to cross them and things like that, you know. But ultimately, at the end of the day, they are yours to keep, you know. And so, um, yeah, that's been a lot of my kind of Venus retrograde and also the Venus retrograde of, of a lot of my clients as well. Beautiful. Beautiful. You know, I didn't mention also Amelia is also – I think actually everyone on this show is a singer. We've got to maybe in some future episode uh, all four of us <laughs> join in and, like, do some four-part oh harmony. <laughs> yeah, right? Now you're talking. talking. That would be the dream. The dream. Yeah. And we'll work on that. We'll work on that. Coming at you. Yeah, exactly, right? Can I throw out um, – can I throw out something about Venus retrograde right quick? Do um, Since we're on the topic. So I feel like a lot of times people tend to dwell on, like to the point of stressing themselves out, like I've seen my clients do this, um, about Venus retrograde being about relationships. Like your classic, romantic relationship. Um, but it isn't always about that. Like a lot of times it shows up in funny ways. And, if that is your experience, it's totally valid, and that is, like, the classic meaning. But sometimes it's more subtle or it's just a little bit different than it seems. So my experience this time around, so I've had um, Venus retrograding through my, depending whether it's solar or, uh, or based on my ascendant, my sixth and fifth houses. So that's your like your daily grind and, and what you do for fun. And those things... Like, it could not be a worse pairing. I cannot think of one. And so with Venus retrograde there, I have had massive, like the most massive disruptive changes to uh, my daily grind. I won't say where, but I have started a new uh, position in my professional life. Um, And it's a great experience, and I'm learning so much, but it's just, uh, definitely a different uh, demand of work than I'm used to. Uh, so, yeah, that's one way that Venus retrograde can work. But, you know, with the fifth house there, too, I'm learning to find the fun parts in every day, the things that do give you pleasure, even if it's just, like, a small amount. Or, like, to make the time that you have for pleasure super sacred to set that apart. Usually with Venus retrograde, there's some kind of, or any retrograde, there's, like, a lesson. So if you can figure out the lesson and start, like, working it out early, it won't suck as many butts. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on this show, but I just did. (laughs) This show isn't about sucking butts. I don't know what it is. Um. Um, and well, as as kind of an, an addendum, I've kind of experienced the same thing as far as, but mine has been more about identity, and ab- about kind of really mm. claiming your identity and how you and 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 mm. how that affects the way that you move throughout the world. Um, mm. I'm Shana, artist. you are Pisces yes. rising as well, right? Yeah, so I'm the Pisces your, rising. Your house of identity oh. is being affected. Yeah, by this. Yeah, Retrograde. I'm a Pisces rising. So, um, yeah, so so and it's been. Huh? And an artist, of course. And an artist. Well, the whole thing is, is there's been such a long time. I mean, I've I've worked, you know, in the industry um, as a makeup artist, um, slash singing, slash producing, slash X, you know, just all these other things. And 
I, I, you know, in my free time, I spend all that time creating something, just creating things. Just like I've used my mom's kitchen as my own little personal alchemy lab, you know. (laughs) My mom is so (laughs) irritated and ready for me to go. But anyway, um, so, um, but I've I've spent a lot of time creating stuff. And so, you know, um, you know, I'm not going to get, you know, too far into it, but one of my struggles was, you know, kind of claiming, you know, that, oh, wow, I'm actually an artist. I can tell people that without being an imposter, you know, like the imposter syndrome. Um, without being an imposter, I'm not an imposter. This is what I do, you know, 24-7. This is how I, I move throughout the world, and really claiming that has been a part of my Venus retrograde experience. Mm. To kind of sum it up in a quick way. <laughs> Are you also talking about being a makeup artist obviously relates to beauty, Um and pleasure, we've talked about how your work is so related to, um, you know, bringing, you know, some people think of makeup as the putting on of a mask, and you sort of say, no, this is actually me bringing out this inner you for you to express in a new way, which I love. Um, with Venus, with my Venus in Gemini, a lot of it has been me exploring my work. You know, the, the main tenet of my work is uh, it might seem physically like it's about creating objects, creating power objects and talismans and, and um, you know, doing work that's related to healing and power to for people. But um, I know that uh, even Paige knows at the very beginning of this Venus retrograde, I thought to myself, what if my work is actually just about tending relationships? What if my work yeah. is, you know, between uh, myself and the dead and different spirits and saints from around the world, but also Tending, you know, helping people tend these relationships because um, it's the lack of tending these relationships. You know, frankly, our culture is saying that these relationships don't even exist. That has, I think, led to so much of the pain that we're currently experiencing in our exactly. culture. Um, you know, it's like, no, mm-hmm. you don't have a relationship. Your ancestors are dead. You know who you have a relationship with? You have the relationship with H&M, Macy's. You got. You don't have ancestral power. You have purchasing power. Consumerism, <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, you know, a, a lot of a lot of a lot of identity within our within our culture has kind of been lost. I think, you know, on the on the backs of people not really knowing. Uh, kind of like their well history basically like a history books are all screwed up you know and depending upon where you are you'll learn a different um you will learn a different version of you know what your what your personal ancestral history was about and it may and may not be accurate a lot of times it's not you know and so um and so yeah it's a really kind of important point Growing up this in South been, Carolina, um, can I just say how true that is? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. In what, in what way? Um, I know that you you were talking about ancestral history, but and and history books that I mean immediately made me think of how much my my public history education failed me. Of course, the public school is supposed to be unbiased but there was a lot of things that I learned that were just super wrong. I found out when I got out into the world, like books would paint things as being basically paint America in a super positive light. Like I remember learning that manifest destiny was a good thing. (laughs) Going back later and being like, what is happening? We took people's ancestral homelands and we're like, this is cool. We're happy about it. Um, Yeah. 
Yeah. So you really have to get out of that. Sorry. (laughs) That's one of the things that's really, you know, rocking our nation right now. People are, you know, chronological adults and learning about America and saying, what? (laughs) You know, Um, and and there's a fight. There's really a fight to tell um, a very problematic story about the history of America. And I want to say right now, because of our next segment, part of that, um, you know, has not just been about um, indigenous peoples here in the States and black people here in the States, but also um, Jewish people here in the States and abroad. And mm-hmm. um, there's often an ongoing fight in our culture to invalidate Jewish peoples, to dehumanize them. It's been going on for so long. It is very important for us to, you know, just like our current political uh, climate, for us to look and realize there is nothing new under the sun. And what might seem fashionable, new, rad, um, hmm, this is a new, interesting idea. No, it's not. There's nothing new or interesting about anti-Semitism. Jewish peoples are beautiful, have brought so much to our world uh, and to our, our, our collective American culture. And um, we're moving to that segment. And one thing I just want to reiterate that this has been Amelia Quint of TheMidHeaven.com, uh, Krishnana Deschel of upcoming uh, – is it okay if I mention it, Krishnana? Yeah, the Belladonna Curio, yes. The Belladonna – which will be launching soon. And uh, I'm hoping that they're going to stay on uh, as we move into our next segment because I'd love for, um, you know, for more dialogue to erupt. So chill for one second. We will be moving in and uh, just hang on. Sure. Space, a final frontier. of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. with my father and my grandfather and my brother sitting in the, the bench seats. Women were upstairs. Five or six guys get up on the bema on the stage and they're facing the congregation. They get their talit over their heads and they start this chanting. I think it's called dukhaning. And uh, my father said to me, don't look. So everybody's got their their eyes covered with their hands, and they've got the talit down over their faces or turned away, turned their back to these guys. And I hear this strange sound coming from them. They're not singers. They were shouters. 
and dissonant. It was all discordant. And they were doing like that kind of wailing, and all discordant, not together, not in unison. And then the leader would shout out, and the rest of them would respond, it was chilling. <laughs> Whoa, something, something major is happening here. So I peeked, and I saw them with their hands stuck out from beneath their tully like this towards the congregation. I thought, wow. Something really got hold of me. I thought, this is a... I had no idea what was going on, but the sound of it and the look of it was magical. This is the shape of the letter Shin, Hebrew alphabet Shin. Very interesting letter in the, in the uh, language. It, it's the first letter in the word Shaddai, the first letter in the word Shalom, first letter in the word Shekhinah, which is the name of the feminine aspect of God, who supposedly was created to live amongst humans, the Shekhinah. Why you're not supposed to look came to me much, much later, much later. My wife Susan has a cousin who's a rabbi here in Los Angeles at Temple Israel, and I was telling him this story, and he said the reason you don't look is the, the legend is that during that benediction, uh, the Shekhinah comes into the sanctuary to bless the congregation. And you don't want to see that because it's so powerful. It could, it could really get, be seriously injured or it could be fatal. So that's why you protect yourself by hiding your eyes. Don't look. I survived. <laughs> I never dreamed that I would do that someday or be involved with it in some way. But sure enough, one day we're making the Star Trek series, television series. We come to a, a very lovely script called A Mock Time, where my character, Spock, who comes from the Vulcan planet, has to go home to fulfill a marriage betrothal, to be married. And the lady who's going to uh, conduct the service is a, a lady named Tipao, played by a wonderful Viennese, Jewish Viennese actress named Celia Lofsky. I'm supposed to meet her when we arrive at the planet. We exchange hellos. It was the first time we are seeing other Balkans, other people of my race. So I was hoping to find some touches that could develop the story of the Balkan sociology, history, whatever, ritual. So I said to the director, I think we should have some special greeting that Balkans do, because we, said, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, humans, we, we have these rituals, that we, the things that we do. Um, we shake hands, we, we nod to each other, we bow to each other, we salute each other. What do Balkans do? So I suggested this. He said, okay. And that's how we, we did it as a greeting, a Balkan greeting. Uh, boy, that just took off through the culture. It was amazing. Within days after it was on the air, I was getting it on the street. People doing this to me, waving to me in this Vulcan gesture. That, that's interesting. And it's been that way to this day. It's almost 50 years later. People are still doing it. It just touched the magic chord. Most people to this day still don't know what it's all about. A lot of people do because I've talked about it a lot. I've been asked the question, where did that come from? And I have very readily put out this story. It's, it's, it's sort of a, like, like a secret 
it's a handshake or something you know, that people enjoy to exchange with each other as if to say, I'm, I'm in on it. I, I, know this, I know the joke, you know, Star Trek, right? You know, hey, Star Trek. You know, it's, great. it's great. People don't realize they're blessing each other with this. <laughs> We here at On Sacred Ground have a special love for the land and the dead and our ongoing connection with the land and the dead, the dead especially, who inspire us uh, as cultural icons. Uh, Paige and I often use the term uh, ancestral helping spirits of humanity because we absolutely have those ancestral helping spirits that lived well and died well that add to our sense of personage and identity that help us by reflecting the gifts that we brought into this lifetime today. However, there are also those very special individuals um, who might not be related to us biologically. However, we can't let go of them because they mean so much, either just symbolically or biographically, and sometimes very personally from a sort of spiritist sense um, in terms of the work they did and the messages that they had. Who was the man who just shared that unique story page? That was Leonard Nimoy, everyone's beloved Mr. Spock, and that was an interview he conducted with the Yiddish Book Center, which you may not know, Kai, that that's the case, that, that the Yiddish Book Center is in fact located on the edge of the campus of Hampshire College in Amherst. No, I do know that. I absolutely know that. When you say Yiddish Book Center, I literally went, it can't be the Yiddish Book Center at my alma mater, but it is. Mm-hmm. It sure is. Leonard, like me, was born in Boston, and then at about 18, he went to Hollywood to make it as an actor. So he spent most of his life in Los Angeles, but uh, sometime in New York as well, and his art gallery was in Northampton, Massachusetts, in the Pioneer Valley where we both went to school. I remember stumbling in there one day and finding his photographs of the feminine aspect of God and being absolutely blown away by his artistic work. And he, um, his birthday was absolutely just this past Monday, correct? That's, uh, uh, this past Sunday, the 23rd of, 26th, rather, of March. And Aries, like me, when little he, Boston boy in Aries. <laughs> and when did he pass? He passed in February uh, 2015. Now, um, it's interesting because the experience, um, him uh, on multiple levels, um, it's just so interesting to me that you came into my life um, for so many reasons, but with this special medicine related to the show, because growing up, um, with Stark, I, I, I was the opposite of a Trekkie. I actually made a blog post about this on my um, website, um where I posted about how outer space has never made any sense to me and how my helping spirits in the past couple of years have been like, bitch, it has to, you better start making some sense of it because um, it's just as valid as all this terrestrial stuff. And I'm just sort of, you know, this whining Taurus bull on the earth, like, why? I don't want to go to outer space. Um, but, you know, <laughs> since then, you know, 
non-terrestrial helping spirits have shown up and uh, my helping spirits have pointed to different constellations as having certain kinds of meaning for me and then you show up with this deep love for this show that um, I can't even say I couldn't stand it, but it was just so outside of my ability to understand or hold space for it. And you have this deep love for the show. You have this deep love for the um, romantic subtext between Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock. And I know that um, the character Spock is really important to you in your life and in your process. Um, and But then we also have the man who played him as really important. And I think that's really special because um, it speaks a lot to the power of performance and acting, you know, the ability to read a text and come to understand the character and take on a character speaks to one's capacity. I mean, obviously, it doesn't mean that, you know, he was a Vulcan in his real life, but it took a special power of Leonard's to embody this character and to do it for so long and to do it on a show that was so groundbreaking and so not just ahead of its time because it literally takes place in the future, but so ahead of its time in its sense of what was um, important to bring to American consciousness at that time so that we could move forward. I think there's so much that we take for granted today that we, including the Jewish origins of the the Vulcan greeting, but I think there's so much that we didn't even realize wouldn't be possible today if that show hadn't happened. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. So tell us a bit more about about Star Trek and what Star Trek means to people today, and Mr. Spock and Leonard. Oh gosh, I could. There's so much, so much I could say about this. Um, First, I'd like to point out it's, uh, it's true that both Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner are, are Jewish men portraying these iconic characters that are so often misrepresented in the modern mainstream, mainstream's eye, especially Captain Kirk himself, who has this, somehow got this mainstream reputation for being this sort of arrogant, womanizing, sort of braggadocious captain, when in reality, he is this very feminist, soft, gentle character. It's really moving going back and watching the original series. He's a very, very beautifully portrayed actor by William Shatner. He really gets a a bad rep that I do not understand. He's he's a wonderfully moving character, and there's so many parts of this show that at the time were groundbreaking. You had uh, Lieutenant Uhura, the first black woman on TV who was playing a character who was not a servant to anyone, who was an officer, a trained officer in her own right, who famously shared the first on-screen interracial kiss with Captain Kirk, uh, who, who in one particular scene is shown giving instructions to the character of Dr. McCoy, who is played by a white gentleman from Georgia. And to think about that, you know, today that we wouldn't bat an eye at this, but in the late 60s, to have a black woman giving instructions to a white Southern man and to have her be in the right and to have him being wrong and to show him obeying her orders without question was really something. And there's so many of these little moments on this show that we don't necessarily think about today, but which are so important for shaping our future in terms of 
society as well as technology. Of course, we can see the, the technological legacy of Star Trek and everything from our old flip phones that were literally based on the Star Trek communicators to the advent of uh, the so-called medical hypo, the ability to perform medical procedures non-invasively was uh, one of Star Trek's vision, but ultimately the grand overarching vision of Star Trek as Gene Roddenberry, the creator, saw it was this future in which we're truly on equal footing. And he wasn't able to really push those limits in the 60s. It got a little bit easier in the 80s when they came back with the next generation, what was allowed on television at the time. But he really saw this future in which we've moved past this conversation of who belongs, who doesn't belong, and, and we're all people, whether we're human, Vulcan, half-human, man, woman, transgendered, whatever, we're all people, we all deserve the same respect, the same consideration that all the other people do in the galaxy, in the universe. And speaking of people, I know that we still have our guests online, um, Amelia and Krishana, are you there? I'm here. I'm right here. Hi, I'm here. Awesome. Did you... So I know, Amelia, um, I know that Star Trek is also very important to you, and it's something that you and Paige share a, a love of this, um, of this wonderful show. Krishana, did you ever watch Star Trek? Um, <clears throat> I didn't actually. Uh, I didn't actually watch much of Star Trek. But I, but the times I did actually um, get a chance to kind of watch it, I think I was so young that I didn't quite understand it to the level of which I, I do today and the kind of its importance in having friends who's, you know, whose parents were in the show and things like that. And um, it's, what's, what's striking to me, and I feel like I should mention this because it's, it's not only something that I heard uh, when we were listening to that clip, but also something that I was kind of reading earlier um, – they kind of introduced in a very a very kind of subtle way the idea of there was a very esoteric um element to it you know esoteric being that that secret language you know being that that language that only other few people understand you know even when you talk about you know um understanding space and and it kind of being your thing or not being your thing it's a language it's it's an esoteric in, in its very nature you know by definition it's esoteric and so, um, you know, and so, and so just kind of myself as being kind of coming from more of the school of being like an esoteric alchemist, um, I really kind of appreciate what uh, Star Trek kind of brought to the forefront um, in that way. So that's my two cents. <laughs> and one of the things we get, especially in that interview with me, with, with Leonard, is this conversation of how the old um, – and, and how the old and either the specially known or the commonly known becomes later on esoteric information um, that becomes hidden or has you know collects you know has special meaning or collects additional meaning. Uh, sometimes uh, we're often experiencing information uh, moving in waves from the the occult from the hidden into popular consciousness and sometimes back and then later on someone that information resurfaces you know someone opens the old tome and says huh you know maybe this is the answer to our our, our current predicament i want to take a quick moment to plug 
uh, one of our sponsors, which is Lucky Mojo Curio Company, a uh, bastion of esoteric uh, products based in sunny Forestville, California, providing traditional spiritual products for remediating all kinds of conditions. You can locate them online at luckymojo.com or visit them in person to see the world's smallest church, Missionary Independent Spiritual Church. Uh, Amelia, tell me a bit about your connection to Star Trek. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Where to begin? Well, I suppose I'll talk about Star Trek in the context of of magic. And, yes, I think they're very, very related to one another. Um, So I found Star Trek through my husband, Zach. Uh, He is one half of our band. I'm the other half, uh, Fidelio. Uh, But I remember he wanted to watch Star Trek The Next Generation. I watched the original series, and for some reason, I think it was just the time that I grew up, I had this idea that Star Trek Beyond the original series was for weirdos or something. And I thought, oh, well, I'll just watch one just to humor him and, and see what happens. Like, I don't know. I just didn't have an interest in it. And then I watched it, and it blew my mind to pieces. Like, I had to pick up all the little pieces and knit them back together, and I think I'm still in that process. Um, and the reason why is because there's just so much ground that's covered. The thing about Star Trek that is my favorite is that it's such a beautiful thought exercise. I think it opens you up to possibilities that you may not have uh, thought of or experienced before. And also it can have the opposite effect. It can show you that, wow, this weird thing I've been thinking about, this like crazy quantum connection of can we be on two timelines at once? Other people have thought about that. Like, I'm not the only one. I'm not alone. So that's cool, too. But I I did a tweet a little while back, a couple months ago. I think I said, everything you need to learn about real occultism, you can learn from watching Star Trek Next Generation. And I still firmly believe that. Now, did you say that you and your husband already have a band name? So it's not something we can't sell you any of ours, can we? Huh? Yes. Our band name is Fidelio. I'll give you 10 points if you know where that's from, because it's related, sort of. I lose. You lose. Oh, no. Have you guys seen Eyes Wide Shut? A long time ago. Oh, my gosh. I love that movie, but I forgot. Like, I haven't seen it in such a long time. (laughs) I just adore every... Thing that Stanley Kubrick does, and uh, so so does my husband. And yeah, so Fidelio is the occult sex party password. Oh, got it. Okay. This is coming back to you now. Yeah, it's coming back. Anyways, to, yeah. It's all coming back to me now. Okay, okay that's all I got. <laughs> for, for, for harmony, guys. Where was it? <laughs> um. Yeah, no, I, I, I really kind of, um, I think that we need more shows. Like, I was actually, you know, not to kind of, not to get off topic at all, but speaking of pop culture and shows such as, like, you know, Star Trek, there was this time, this kind of magical period of television, you know. Um, and, you know, later then we have what I consider to be very iconic. Um, and also on that on that level, not necessarily of magic, but looking at a, another, work, looking at a world um, work together in in culture and mm. sexuality and things like that, which is in living color, 
you know, which was actually very important for me as a as a, a growing as uh, growing up as a child, you know. Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. I love it. I never would have pulled that thread out of both of those things, but I see it and and it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, just because of the fact that like, you know, you you had you had people who were kind of all, you know, all kind of working together and creating this, you know, really beautiful show. Um it was a comedy show. But it's really beautiful beautiful show and kind of it, there wasn't there there wasn't any um punchlines that weren't accessible, you know. And I mean, we have we definitely have SNL, of course, you know, but I kind of feel like, you know, for me my my version of you know, I didn't I didn't watch Star Trek, but I definitely watched In Living Color every week. So um, I had more to say on that, and then I totally dropped all of that. <laughs> no, no, no. Literally, the thing that you just brought up in Living Color touches my heart. I was, I had this, it's almost like the 90s dropped in as a helping spirit a few like, months ago, and Paige saw me go through it. I was, like, going through all of these, I thought it was this one music video, but much like Star Trek The Next Generation for Amelia, I went through this, like, it was like, one, two, poppy, can't stop, and... I started going. I started with one music video, and I just started going to this '90s nostalgia, very intense. Right. Part of that included. Um, and Living Color, we should absolutely, oh. we, we absolutely need to talk about the Living Color more in the future. But on the topic of uh, media that shapes and changes, the LNC Radio Network, which we're a part of, includes a number of different shows uh, that are all on the you know frontier of consciousness with really great hosts. Um, we will be coming right back to us after we share more information about the our cousin uh, shows. found on its webcast shows. The LMC Radio Network is a community radio alliance of metaphysical, spiritual, inspirational, and political justice broadcasters spanning a wide range of topics. Tune in Sundays for the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour, hosted by Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ali. It features panel discussions on traditional African-American hoodoo spellcasting with members of the Association of Independent Readers and Rootworkers, plus free readings and magical rootwork advice for live call-in clients. The longest-running conjure show in the universe, it may be heard from 3 o'clock to 4.30 Pacific Time, Sunday afternoons. On Mondays, get ready for Candelo's Corner, starring Candelo Cambisa and Michael Carell. This is the meeting place for all esoteric traditions. Candelo and Michael bring their insight from Palo, witchcraft, and eclectic spirituality to their interviews with peers in Afro-Caribbean lineages, as well as representatives of numerous other paths. You can hear Candelo's Corner Monday evenings from 5 to 7 Pacific Time. Tuesdays feature two wonderful shows to suit your taste. On the Crystal Silence League Hour, John St. Germain provides spiritual guidance and tips on the practical use of crystals and crystal balls. His show starts at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and lasts for one hour. Next is In the Streets with Beverly Smith. Beverly provides up-to-the-minute reports on civil and social rights issues. Her one-hour show airs on Tuesday evenings at 6 p.m. Pacific Time. Tune in Wednesday nights for New Thought, Glamour Magic, and Fitness Coaching on Fit and Foxy with Madame Nadia and Jaye Danya. Fit and Foxy is a magical lifestyle show that motivates spiritually, emotionally, and physically aimed at empowering you to become your most magnificent self. 
you can hear Fit and Foxy from 6 to 7 p.m. Wednesdays. On Thursdays, it's the Now You Know Show with Professor Porterfield. In a variety show laced with country wit and biblical wisdom, the professor shares his knowledge of roots, delivers the lucky numbers, explores the secrets of scriptural sorcery. From 6 to 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time, there is no end to the surprises. Join professional witches Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay on Friday nights as they discuss witchcraft and paganism in all its forms, share personal stories, traditional history, and describe modern controversies. From 6 to 7, tune in and learn about magic, spellcrafting, and goddess worship on The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron. And on Saturday nights, come out and join Liquid Libations. Andrea Weston hosts this informal sharing and showcasing of poetry, short stories, and spoken word performances contributed by novices and professional wordsmiths alike. Call in and read your work. Liquid Libations may be heard on Saturday nights from 5 to 7 p.m. Pacific Time. All shows on the LMC Radio Network are sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company, located in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Add three hours for Eastern. Tax and license may apply. Train departure times and Burma shave signs, subject to change without notice. LMC. And welcome back to On Sacred Ground Relaunch Party. We've got about eight minutes left of the episode, and we've had some uh, really beautiful guests, Amelia Quint of TheMidHeaven.com, and Krishana Deschel of Belladonna Curio, and of course, my special co-host, uh, Paige Zafiriu of Paige Z's Tarot and Tea. Is everyone here? I am here. Yep. I'm here. Krishana, awesome. what's... Amelia, awesome. Krishan, what's coming up for you next? Um, well, currently I'm I'm working on a couple um a couple products that I will um be posting on um an Instagram that I'm going to create. <laughs> All this is new. Um it if if for the moment, you know, people are interested in, you know, in following me and what I'm up to, then they can um find me on, on your Facebook or uh which is um I think my Facebook is facebook.com backslash um, Belladonna Krishana, which is probably too long to uh, actually uh, remember. So just find me on Kai's Facebook um, or or pages if you you know if you guys are following them. Um, also, um, going back to Europe um, fairly soon, and. Uh, I, I have um, a couple of makeup gigs coming up with some some pretty um, big companies and things like that, and creating all kinds of um, things and and loving you know loving chaos and, and darkness <laughs> like usual. <laughs> as always, as always. Um, and Amelia, what's next for you? Um, for me, I am deep, deep into uh, the subscription program that I have on the Midheaven. So if you join, you get weekly horoscopes, um, you get access to a forum where you can ask me any question you want, and I'll make it into about astrology and tarot and witchcraft and such things, of course, and I'll make it into a video lesson for everybody to use or just tell you about it. Um, the 
first lesson that we did was on protective magic, and I gave my thoughts on uh, binding Trump. And, yeah, so if you want to know those, you should check it out. That part's free. Uh, so, yeah, that's where a lot of my energy is going, it's like really lavishing all the the love that I have on the subscribers. Um, I have a couple of essays coming out here soon. Um, I can't talk about them yet. I wish that I could. But as soon as I can, you guys will be the first to know, I promise. So, yep. Yes, please keep us up to date. And because On Sacred Ground is now every other Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, our next episode will actually be on uh, Wednesday, April 12th uh, at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, 3 p.m. Pacific. And we've had these wonderful guests, we've had these wonderful uh, living guests on this side of the ground, Amelia Quint and Krishana Vichelle. Um, and we've also been able to talk a bit about uh, someone who's very important in uh, our home and in uh, Paige's personal life and practice, uh, Leonard. So much love to Leonard Nimoy and the character that he brought to life in so many homes uh, across this nation and the world, Mr. Spock of Star Trek. Uh, and we are grateful for him, uh, and we thank him for the uh, blessings that he is giving, so much of the blessings that he gave to us while he was alive and what he continues to do on the other side of the veil for humanity and possibly elsewhere. We, we really don't know. Um, tremendous gratitude to him. This has been another episode of On Sacred Ground. I'm your co-host, Kyra Mond, and who else is joining me here? Uh... Roshana. <laughs> Amelia. Thank you for having Thank you for having me on the show. Um, this has actually been really, really awesome. Um, and, you know, I hope everybody is uh, finding their own, you know, pieces and things like that. Yes, y'all have been wonderful. Krishana, uh, it has been so good to meet you. And Kai and Paige, I love you guys to a million itty-bitty pieces. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us, Amelia. Uh, Paige, are you there? Yeah. Awesome. Is there anything that you'd like to say to our listening audience on our way out? I'd just like to say that, uh, that you can find me online at pagezafiriou.com. That's Z-A-F-E-R-I-O-U. And, Kai, where can, uh, where can they find you these days on the old interwebs? Oh, yes. Um, I can be found at impactshamanism.com, and Paige and I together can be found at greenwoodconjure.com. Uh, we look forward to everyone tuning in in two weeks from now on uh, April 12th. It has been a wonderful episode. Thank you again so much for joining us, whether you've been listening live or are listening later in the comfort of your home or car. Uh, we pray that you are well uh, and keeping heart strong. Uh, until then, keep a light in your window. We will be keeping a light in ours for you for courage in our time.
Thank you. 